Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code locked on. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E CHU.com. Promo code locked on. L O C K E D O N to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to Crossover Wednesdays. I am James Yarko, one of the hosts of Locked On Bucks, joined by Travis Wingfield, the host of Locked On Dolphins. Check out everything that I'm doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at Locked On Fins, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at Wingfield NFL. Travis, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to get this podcast out as well as our edition on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. It's just really nice to talk football again, man. It's been a long, long offseason, and we finally got games to talk about, so I'm great over here. Yeah, it's nice to have have content given to you rather than having to rack your brain for yes. four hours figuring <laughs> out what to talk about for 25 minutes. Um but yeah, uh, another preseason game. It's it's kind of a tradition at this point, the Bucks and Dolphins in preseason. And uh, Travis, the Dolphins have gone through quite a few changes, as have the Buccaneers. But, uh, you know, none more prevalent, of course, than, than the head coaching change, as well as a quarterback battle. So let's go ahead and start off uh, with kind of a, a recap of the offseason. Of course, you guys, uh, you get rid of Adam Gase. You know, you still get to to face them in the division, which is a wild move by the Jets. Um, but but you've hired Flores. What's kind of been the the main differences that you've seen so far as far as what Gase was doing and and what the Dolphins are doing now under Flores? Yeah, I always refer to it as, you know, you always want what your ex didn't have. And that's exactly what the Dolphins got with Brian Flores, because Adam Gase was a glorified offensive coordinator, and I might almost even say a glorified quarterbacks coach who happened to put himself into a position of a head coach because he didn't pay attention to the defensive side of the ball. He barely even gave attention to the other position groups outside of the quarterback, and he really stuck by Ryan Tannehill through the entire time that he was here, and we all know how that ended up working out and eventually was his downfall getting fired after three years. But 
between the fact that he was more of a hands-off or a kind of lackadaisical kind of coach in terms of the way they prepared themselves, in terms of the way they practiced. You go out to the practice field at Davie at the Dolphins training facility last year, you're going to see Adam Gaze hanging out with the media, hanging out with guys that he invited like Peyton Manning or Wes Welker or whoever his buddy is there that day. And you go watch him now with Brian Flores, and you're going to see a football coach out there teaching technique, teaching discipline, teaching responsibility, preaching being on time, and preaching his structured his structured organization that he's going to bring to Miami. Now, will that work? I don't know, but that's the big change so far is that Brian Flores is very structured and very much about teaching his players opposed to just kind of hanging around the quarterbacks all day. So you're betting that the New York Jets finish last in the division is, is what I just heard. Well, I can't say that because this Dolphins team is so devoid of talent that I think that it would be foolish to pick them to finish anywhere but last. But I, I do think the gap between the Dolphins and Jets really isn't that far off right now. Okay, fair enough. Well, and, and speaking of talent, you guys have someone who's near and dear to our heart, the magic man. Fitz magic, um, you know, a, a solid signing. I mean, I, I have nothing but love for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I've always, ever since he was a bill, I have loved Ryan Fitzpatrick, but then they go out and they trade for Rosen. So what's, what's going on with that quarterback battle right now? Because everything that we're hearing is it's Fitz's job. It's Fitz's job, but why spend the the capital to make a trade if you're not going to start the guy so kind of kind of let us know what's what the quarterback situation is for the Dolphins right now sure and there's a lot to unpack with this battle right now on multiple levels and first I'll say that you're right about Ryan Fitzpatrick the most charming football player I've ever been around he's so much fun to talk to always gives us great answers in the media whereas Josh Rosen's a little more rough around the edges and a little bit more snippy when you ask him a question he doesn't like. But Fitzpat Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick, whatever you want to call him, he's I just love the guy for who he is as a person. Now, as far as on the field, he's so far ahead of Josh Rosen from the mental aspect of things, which is kind of expected, but also kind of interesting because you've got obviously a 15-year vet versus a 22-year-old kid, but they're also both in their first year in this offense. And the reason I think that he's so far out in front from that mental aspect of things is because this system really empowers the quarterback and it really puts a lot on their plate. They have to get to the line of scrimmage, ID the front, ID the linebacker, get the protection call made, figure out what the route concept to either side of the field is going to be. And Rosen is just not quite seeing it yet, but he has progressed through the first two weeks and through one preseason game so far in Miami. Whereas Fitzpatrick, he was pretty much caught up to the, you know, I don't want to say expert level of the offense, but he was certainly above novice level going back to OTAs in May and June. And that's when he really put distance between himself and Josh Rosen. And we saw that at the beginning of training camp, but you get three, four, five days into camp plus the game last week against the Falcons. And the gap starts to close a little bit because I think that Rosen, I mean, he's a top 10 draft pick, just has more physical traits and physical talent. And he has, he's mentioned as much as how far behind he is Fitzpatrick, who can come to the line of scrimmage and make all those checks and make all those reads, whereas Rosen's not quite there yet. Once he gets close in that regard, I think we're going to see them turn to Rosen. But for right now, it should be Fitzpatrick's job. If you had to to make a, a guesstimation at this moment in time, how many weeks do you see Fitzpatrick getting the start before Rosen takes over? 
It's actually built in very easily to the schedule because the Dolphins' bye week is week five. I think they're going to go play these four playoff teams they have in the first four weeks and possibly be 0-4 heading into the bye week. That's a great time to move to Josh Rosen. That was my original expectation, but now I could even see that being accelerated to maybe even two or three games. We know how how Fitzmagic does it. He's going to have one of those four or five interception games, and that's probably when he makes the switch. So I think no later than week five. Okay. All right. And, uh, and before we move on, uh, one last thing regarding Fitzpatrick, are, are you doing yourself a service and following the major Ryan Fitzpatrick Twitter account? You know, I've seen that, but I don't follow it. I probably should do that right now. Absolutely. You should. <laughs> I will. I will. It, it, it started with the bucks last year and that might be one of the best Twitter accounts out there. He's, he is grossly underfollowed for for the work that he does. So he had uh, he had some great tweets about the um, the joint practices on on Tuesday. So yeah, check check that out. Um, before we move on to to the defensive side of the ball, one of personally my favorite players in Miami is Kenyon Drake. This guy is just such a phenomenal talent, and it seemed like he kind of got buried. Under Adam Gase, you know, maybe that's why Gase didn't want to spend the money on on Le'Veon Bell because he just he uses his running backs funny. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just it's it's very odd. So, what are your expectations for for Drake this year? Is is Gaskin going to cut into any of the carries? How is he looking? Kind of give us the the rundown of the running back situation there in Miami. I think with Adam Gaze, he probably, if he had it his way, he would never run the ball. He would pass it every single play. And he kind of got forced into giving the ball to Jay Ajayi a couple of years ago when the Dolphins did actually make the playoffs the one year that Gaze was here. And there's a big a big discrepancy between Dolphins fans regarding how much Kenyon Drake should get the ball. And another large portion of Dolphins fans that love Kalen Balaj, the second year back out of Arizona State. And right now they've been splitting reps pretty much throughout camp with the first and second teams. I think it's going to be a pretty even work share there between those two backs. You mentioned Miles Gaskin. He was, I mean, I, I live in Washington State, believe it or not. So I'm a, I'm a Washington State Cougar. And I watch Miles Gaskin just tear the Cougs up every single year in the Apple Cup. And so I'm a big fan of his game as it projects to the professional level. But he's actually been consistently behind guys like Mark Walton formerly of the Bengals and formerly of the University of Miami, and Patrick Laird, who is an undrafted back from California. And Gaskin had two touchdowns in the preseason opener and probably played the best of the, you know, quote unquote, rest of the guys in the backfield. So I do think that Gaskin has a shot to cut into maybe a little bit of that. But for the most part, it's going to be Kalen, or Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj, 50-50, and then the fullback Chandler Cox. They love him. He's going to be a big part of the offense too. So those three guys are going to play a lot. Everybody else probably not going to see much playing time in the backfield. All right. And, and I know we're going to get, we're going to flip over to the defensive side of the ball. And I, I know we're going to discuss the secondary here in a little bit, <clears throat> but let's, let's talk about kind of the, the front seven. How, how comfortable are you and, and how comfortable are Dolphins fans with the way this front seven is constructed right now? Because obviously you guys are in a, in a division where you're facing the inevitable AFC champions twice a year. Um, you know, Josh Allen looks like he could possibly be something special, uh, at least as far as, as a running thread. I'm, I'm still not sold on his arm or his, his football IQ. 
Sam Darnold looks to be kind of progressing. So, I mean, you're, you're definitely not in, in an easy division, but it's also not the most difficult by any means. How was that front seven looking compared to some of these quarterbacks that you're going to have to face? Yeah, I would never wish uh, being in a division like this on anybody for two decades, pretty much robbing me of Sundays for the last two decades because of the Patriots. <laughs> so it's been a fun run. Uh, all jokes aside, yeah, I, I think that right now the Dolphins defensive line is – is less than it was last year from a talent standpoint, but so much superior from the scheme standpoint. And what I mean by that is last year you had this wide nine defense with Matt Burke, who go type in Matt Burke on Twitter and and just take a look at all the Dolphins fans' comments. I mean, I feel like most coordinators across the league, unless their team is doing well, are the most hated guy in the particular city they coach in. But Matt Burke was a just train wreck for two years, and he ran this wide nine defense where these defensive ends, Cam Wake, who is a legend down here, and Robert Quinn, were effective at getting upfield, but they had to kind of play the run on the way to the pass, and they weren't able to do both those things. So it created huge gaps in the running game and then really wasn't effective from a pass rushing standpoint. Whereas now this year, it's more about run fits, clogging gaps, and helping your linebackers and freeing them up en route to the quarterback for the pass rush. And so far, I'm going to give you names that you're going to laugh at, but it's pretty much been like Charles Harris, who to this point has been a first-round draft bust. It's been Nate Orchard, the guy that was cut from the Browns off of Hard Knocks a couple years ago. But Jerome Baker, the Dolphins' second-year linebacker out of Ohio State, has been the buzz of camp so far outside of Xavier Howard. And Baker has been used in so many different ways, rushing the quarterback, dropping into coverage, playing the A-gap against the run. He has just been absolutely stellar. And I, I think we'll see a lot of him coming off the edge as a pass rusher this year. And he can really provide some of that rush as well. On the inside, Christian Wilkins was brought here. And I'm, I'm sure Bucks fans are familiar with him in you know the, the scenarios where you may be traded back in the draft and, and took Christian Wilkins. But he he has been really everything we hoped he would be as far as you know, versatile player, inside, outside, pass, rush, run, defense. And I think that he's going to be the guy that you really rely on to maybe put that pressure on Tom Brady up the middle with that interior pass rush. So it's going to come through the scheme. It's going to come from a variety of guys. And that was kind of the Patriots model. And we're talking about the Brian Flores defense coming from New England. Their model was always to not really value the individual pass rusher. We saw them get rid of Chandler Jones. Uh, They got rid of Trey Flowers this last year and even go way back to Richard Seymour back in the day. They want guys that can basically be responsible for their gap and rush the quarterback when the time comes to send the blitz. So scheme much better player uh a val- or a talent i should say probably a lot worse and and don't be knocking the the guys cut from the browns you know when they were on hard knocks that's how the bucks got carl nassib and he was uh he was quite the the player last year hoping hoping for big things again this year and the star um, of hard knocks too with the way he talked about his financial situation <laughs> oh i'm gonna give him my bank account information be like here you handle 10%. it <laughs> yeah um so yeah, on on locked on dolphins, you you asked me a couple of questions that I am now in turn going to ask you, and and this is how we're going to get to the secondary because I already know the answer to to this question. But what is what is the weakest and thinnest position on the dolphins? Well, you, we mentioned the secondary, and it definitely is that that spot on defense. But you have to go over to the offensive line because. These, these guys can't block anybody, and we saw it on practice, or at practice rather, on Tuesday, and Dominick Sue was beating them up pretty bad. 
And they allowed something like 12 pressures in the first half of the opening preseason game. It's just not good enough. Outside of Laramie Tunzel, who for my money is one of the elite left tackles in football, they've got four guys that maybe wouldn't start across the league elsewhere. Jesse Davis, the right tackle, he's he's adequate, I think could start at some places. But beyond that, it's a bunch of guys they're trying to throw in there and get them some experience and try to find some continuity to maybe get production that way. But at the starting level, at the second team, the third team, there's just no depth on this offensive line, and it's really going to cripple the Dolphins' production all year long because the skill players, they're not great, but they're not bad. And Josh Rosen, if he can kind of take that next step, you might have something there, but the offensive line's so bad that I don't know how you evaluate the rest of the skill positions. All right. Well, yeah, you kind of surprised me on that one because I absolutely thought uh, corner or secondary was going to be the answer there. Um what what would you say is is the most talented and, and, and the deepest position as far as the Dolphins are concerned? It's got to be the receivers, and it's actually been much better in camp than we originally anticipated. And a big reason for that, and I'm sure you've heard his name by now, Preston Williams, the undrafted free agent rookie from Colorado State, has been everything that we had hoped Devontae Parker would be. And frankly, he's already done more than Devontae Parker did in four years with the Dolphins. Uh, He's going up and high-pointing the football. He's leaving defensive backs, you know, breaking their ankles. He he actually broke a, a poor Buccaneers defensive backs' ankles in the practice on Tuesday, which made its rounds all across Twitter. And I think even ESPN picked it up. So he looks fantastic. Kenny Stills is just steady as they come. He can get deep. He can do some things against man and zone coverage. And then there's the two injured guys right now who aren't participating and will not play on Friday night. But uh, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant are both so electric in their specific roles where if they can catch the ball and get loose, it's it's game over because you're not going to catch those guys. And they did that last year through the first eight games. Both of them got hurt and the Dolphins offense kind of sputtered out from there. But if Preston Williams can be that true number one with those two speed guys and Kenny Stills and a bunch of young guys behind him that the Dolphins are excited about, this receiving group could actually be pretty good. All right. And as far as as Friday's game is concerned, do you expect to see much action out of the starters or is it going to be pretty limited like it was in game one? They're actually going to play a lot because I think that Flores is still is viewing this as an extended evaluation period. And even into the season, we saw a lot of guys on the first team play through pretty much the first quarter, except for Fitzpatrick, who gives way to Josh Rosen. And I expect those guys to split first team reps and then Josh Rosen to play probably into the fourth quarter. Even they want to see a lot of him. The first team defense had a couple of series. I think we'll see that going forward. So at least one quarter, probably into the second quarter, and you're going to get a steady dose of Josh Rosen too. Okay. All right. Right now, uh, if, if you could maybe throw out a couple of names on either side of the ball for Bucks fans to really keep their eye on, whether it's a bubble player or, you know, a, a guy who's kind of emerged as a, as a training camp superstar or, or things like that. Maybe not, you know, the obvious names like the starters, but once we start getting into the, the second, third, fourth quarter, that's when it, it almost becomes taxing to watch because it's a lot of guys that aren't going to be on the team. You're not, you know, you're not going to know them. They're not household names. So maybe a couple of emerging players on the Dolphins for Bucks fans to really keep their eye on and say, okay, you know, that's who, that's who Travis was talking about. This kid's legit and, and, and things like that. 
They had a couple of undrafted free agents really have dominant debuts as rookies in their first game. Jonathan Ledbetter from Georgia, who was expected to be a draft pick and ended up going undrafted, and Dwayne Hendricks from Pittsburgh. They combined for three sacks and a bunch of pressures and a bunch of run stops. Now, Ledbetter got promoted to the first-team defense on Tuesday in the joint practice, so I'm not sure how long he'll play in the game as far as playing with the starters and the backups, but keep an eye on Dwayne Hendricks as well on the defensive line. Into the linebacker position, the Dolphins signed a CFL star. And the last time we did that, we got Cam Wake. And this guy, I'm not going to call him Cam Wake yet, but Sam Aguavin, a speedy coverage type of linebacker. He could definitely turn some heads. On the offensive side, I'm trying to find a name for you here, James, and it's just, it's difficult. I'm going to give you undrafted rookie Trenton Irwin. He looks like your typical Patriots receiver, which is great because the Dolphins have four former Patriots staffers on the roster now. And when I say that, I'm saying that he's white and he has long hair (laughs) and he's the kind of guy you'd expect him to be a Julian Edelman type. He catches everything and he just always gets open, even though he's not really that athletically gifted. So Trenton Irwin on offense. Jonathan Ledbetter and Dwayne Hendricks and Sam Aguavin on defense. All right. Uh, Before we get to our final score predictions, which I know is silly for a preseason game, but hey, it's fun anyway. Um, Why don't you go ahead and and give us kind of your your season prediction for the Dolphins? It's going to be a long one, and it's almost like refreshing at this time of the year because usually the Dolphins come into these seasons with – hopes of going 10 and six or maybe nine and seven sneaking into a wild card. And then we're, you know, obviously going to get destroyed in that wild card round playoff game. But now it's like, we don't have these expectations and we kind of expect maybe four or five wins on the high side of things, more likely probably two or three wins. If you know, a couple injuries occur and things get ugly early. I do think you're going to see a much improved defensive unit this year because of the scheme that I mentioned with the pass rush. And there are some names in that secondary like Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick, who I just think the world of both of those guys. So I think the defense could be like maybe a top half of the league. And I know that's not saying a whole lot, but for this team, it would be a big improvement on the offensive side. James, it's going to be a nightmare this year. It's going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of bad quarterback play, and really just kind of hampering the two skill sets, the receivers and the running backs that I'm excited about. They're not going to have much of a chance because this line is so bad and because the quarterback play is probably going to be very inconsistent. So I would say 4-12, and 5-11 and 11 on the high side of things. All right. Um, all right, and I, I do have one more before we get to our score predictions. Let's fast forward nine months i need you to give me the headline summarizing the dolphin season for this past for the 2019 season yep well if we go nine months i'm gonna tell you the dolphins draft quarterback jordan love from utah state but that's that's, <laughs> here nor there. that's my guy i, I just we're, we're so all in on the off season right now that i'm actually kind of looking forward to it more than the actual season because they have 12 draft picks but i think it's going to be Something along the lines of, you know, excitement building for the 2020 season as the Dolphins maybe play stronger down the stretch. And then we have all those offseason resources like, you know, kind of to be the surprise team of the offseason that really wins, you know, the March and April months. So let's say strong finish gives Dolphins fans excitement for 2020 offseason. Love it. Love it. All right. Travis, how do you see this game going down Friday? You know, I I think that whenever you look at these preseason games, it always comes down to who has the better backup quarterback. And forgive me for not knowing the Buccaneers backup quarterback situation, but I think that Josh Rosen's probably better 
And so I think that they'll get more production from the offense on that side of things and probably find a way to win a game in the, in the mid to low twenties. Okay. Yeah. Our backups Blaine Gabbert. Okay. <laughs> well, he's a star. I mean, he's, he's like, he's kind of that level of quarterback that can have success in these games. So maybe I'm wrong there. He didn't look great against Pittsburgh, but Ryan Griffin started to come on late in the game. I mean, had had Bruce Arians not gone for three two point conversions and just kicked three extra points, the Bucks win thirty one thirty. So you know Bruce likes to do those crazy things in preseason games. He said his his reasoning for going for two was to get it off track of overtime. He just yeah. didn't want to go to overtime. He's like, I don't, I don't care. I just don't want to play any extra. <laughs> That seems to be the the mode for most of these preseason games. Who wants to watch an extra fifteen minutes of this crap? But uh, uh, you mentioned Ryan Griffin. I actually was a big fan of his, and I think was it the Hard Knocks year where he got hurt in training camp and and wound up missing out on the backup job. Yeah, yeah, I was actually at the game where he got hurt. It was the first preseason game um, <clears throat> against the Bengals, and yeah, he he left with injury, and. Uh, that was the last time uh, Roberto Aguayo kicked in a Buccaneers uniform. <laughs> oh, man, what a curse that was. That's going to get broken this year, though. Yeah, there you go, buddy. This, this rookie <laughs> kicker, Matt Gay, man. Oh, Solid. He's, he's good. Fun he's to hear. We got, we got one last year, Jason Sanders, who I think missed like two field goals all year. So excited about him, too. Yeah, this kid's booting them from over 60 yards pretty much every practice with plenty of room to spare like he's got a ridiculous leg so i'll be excited to watch him on friday night i'm gonna go uh let's see for my prediction i predicted the bucks to beat the steelers 27 17 so we're gonna go with this one uh bucks win 25 to 17 I like it. Dolphins usually play low scoring games this time of year. So that's not a bad bet at all. All right. Well, Travis, where can, uh, where can all of our listeners find everything that you're doing? Yep. Locked on Dolphins podcast Monday through Friday. We're really cranking up things this time of year. So uh, doing a lot of good stuff there. Locked on dolphins.com and on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. My last name is Wingfield. All right. And of course, you can check out everything that I'm doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an incredible Wednesday. And thank you so much for joining us right here on Crossover Wednesdays. Labels out here. Now they can't tell me nothing. We give it to the people, spread it across the country. Here we go back. This is the moment tonight.